it's your lovely Abby Dagren. Abby, 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 And today I will be speaking on defense mechanisms, which is something that isn't talked about as it should. However, I'll be giving you guys the definition and also giving you different types of defense mechanisms out here. And after you hear my podcast on defense mechanism, you guys should listen to my podcast on coping mechanisms that are a lot better with coping with stress instead of using defense mechanisms. Okay, you guys, let's get right into it. So a defense mechanism is the psychological strategy that are unconsciously used to protect a person from anxiety arousing from unacceptable thoughts or feelings. So it's something that comes unsubconsciously, so you don't know when you're doing it, but through life experiences and through trauma and through issues in your life, you have been able to cultivate those strategies unconsciously without even knowing it. Well, our first defense mechanism is denial. And denial is refusing to accept reality, thus blocking external events from awareness. Some people cannot deal with certain situations, so they will respond by denying the situation exists or receiving to perceive it. This is dangerous defense mechanism because this is something that is for a period and the situation still exists. And being in denial of a situation can really harm you in the long end because let's give an example. For example, let's just say that someone was abused by someone else. You saw it, you knew it, you were there when it happened. And then you're denying it, and you're like, you know what, no, that's not true, that didn't happen, denial, denial. Or let's say that situation happened to you. Now that you're in denial of that situation, not only can someone else get hurt because of your denial of the situation, for example, if you went to an authority or you went to the police to talk about it and you were in denial, Not only can someone else be hurt, but if you are in denial of a situation that happened to someone else, that person will see, oh, it's okay for me to do this, that, and the other. So they may do that thing to you, and you may respond in shock. You may even still be in denial of that situation, or the situation can get worse through your denial. So denial is a very dangerous defense mechanism because it may not only affect you in the long run or temporarily or in the long run which is more important but it can also affect someone else's life so denial is not really good at all and it's a defense mechanism that should not be used and if you do have it I know it's not your fault this is something that happens unconsciously however if you're able to evaluate this in your life then you can be able to go to therapy and see why you use this copanism which is denial in your life number two repression 
Repression is an unconscious defense mechanism employed by the ego to keep disturbing or threatening thoughts from being conscious. It is forcing unpleasant wishes, ideas, and memories into the unconscious. Even though it is hidden, it can still cause anxiety. You will also see these thoughts in dreams or you can have a Freudian slip. With repression, I know that a lot of people can say, oh, this is the ego that's keeping it from being disturbed. However, some people have been hurt or have had traumatic situations, so they don't really want to think about those situations. They don't want to be reminded of those situations, whether it was abuse, whether it was bullying, whether it was something that they never wished in their life they could see. They just want to put that in the back of their head. They don't want to think about that anymore so since it's something that's unconsciously done you don't really know that you're doing it you just put all that stuff in the back of your head and the thing about it with repression those things will affect you without you even knowing so one of the examples I gave was you dreaming so if a bad situation happened to you and you have regression or repression then you may dream about that situation or you may dream about that person who caused that situation. You're like, oh my, I thought I forgot about that person. I thought that that person is no longer in my being, but no, you are repressing it, repressing it to the point that now it's that person is showing up in your dreams. Or you can slip in the mouth, a Freudian slip, and you can say that person's name, or you can say that event, and you're like, oh, I thought this is something that I no longer think of, I no longer know of, because I don't speak about it. However, no, 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 it still exists, my dear. So, repression, although for some people, and I understand why some people use repression, it's something that is not good, because... It's not gone forever. It's still in the back of your mind. And it will come up not only in dreams, not only in Freudian slips, but also in your actions. You may do things that you may not understand why. Traumatic experiences that you repressed in the back of your mind, they show up in your daily life. The way that you may interact with people or you may talk with people, that can really be a sign of regression. Repression. Sorry, I keep saying regression, but it's actually repression that I'm speaking on right now. And therapy is a way for you to be able to not repress your memories, although I understand why. Because sometimes things hurt, situations hurt. However, repression will really affect you because even though you think those memories are in the back of your head it's not you're going to see them in your daily life and the way that you talk to others deal with others and connect with other people number three is projection projection is an individual attributes unwanted thoughts feelings and motives into another person done by projected unto other persons or things that you are afraid to do or insecure about. So when you're projecting a situation into another person, you usually don't take accountability for the situation. For example, if you got a bad grade on the test and you knew that you didn't study for it, you might put that on the teacher. Let's just, because there are situations when teachers do not teach right, but in this situation, the teacher 
taught right, the teacher did everything that they were supposed to do, and you didn't study for the tests, you didn't write your notes, you didn't do anything to prepare for the test. So the person who you are upset with would be the teacher. However, because the teacher has a higher position to you, you may project that madness of you failing your tests onto a little sibling, someone who's less powerful from, than you, an animal, someone who will not really defend themselves against you. So you will project that anger and energy into that person instead of to the person, the teacher who you're mad at. And this is something that is done by people who don't have power over themselves. So they try their best to have power over other people. And this is sometimes subconsciously done. You don't know that you're doing it. This is something that you do all the time. So this projection is normal. And this isn't really a good defense mechanism because not only are you hurting yourself, but you're hurting other people in the process. You're hurting people who are vulnerable and who you know can't defend themselves. So this is why if you do have projection, try your best to be able to speak to the person who you have an issue with in a respectable manner. Try your best to be able to articulate how you feel to that person who you are upset with, even if they're in a powerful position. Because this is more common when people who are in a powerful position or if you're mad at your parents, then you may argue with your siblings because you know you can't get in trouble with your siblings. But if you yell at your parent, then you know you're going to get in trouble for that. So you just project into a target that is less threatening and who won't defend themselves. And this kind of goes into number four, which is displacement as well which is the redirection of an impulse into a powerless substitute, target. The target can be a person or an object that can serve as a symbolic substitute. The transfer of energy goes to someone that will not fight back because the person you are originally upset at won't allow this behavior. So this is kind of like projection and displacement. So with displacement, the person who you really have the anger for or the the issue with, you won't put that on them because you know there would be a consequence. You know that they would not allow it. So you'll probably put all this anger onto a child, onto a sibling, into an animal, or into someone that would not fight back for themselves. Because if they would fight back, you would not really put all of this energy and all of this anger into that person. Your displacement of anger would not be on that person. It's going to always be on a lesser target. Someone who doesn't know how to stand up for themselves or someone who thinks that this is okay for someone to do to them, you will put that displacement onto them. And this is a terrible defense mechanism because, like I said, you're not only hurting yourself but you're also hurting other people in the process. And you need to try your best to be able to talk to people in a way so the people who you really have the issue with 
are the anger with, you can talk to them instead of going to some other target that had nothing to do with that issue. Because not only are you traumatizing yourself, but you're also traumatizing the person who didn't have anything to do with the problem that you have. Okay, number five, regression. Regression is the ego reverts to an earlier stage of development, usually in response to a stressful situation. So this is the word that I was getting confused, or not confused, mixed up with repression. But regression is basically like a safety net. So when someone is going through a stressful situation, you would think back to a time when you felt safe. So some people may go back to their childhood where they probably felt safer and they would act like a child in a way. So you're regressing down to a time. You're like 15, but you're regressing down to a three-year-old by, for example, sucking your thumb because you felt safer when you sucked your thumb because that's when you were a baby. Or you may watch cartoons, something that you did when you were younger when you felt safer because, you know, a lot of children do watch cartoons or they watch PBS Kids or anything that you did when you were safe. Or... A certain type of food you love so when you were younger or when you were at a safe time you would love this food and you would eat this food so when there's a stressful situation you may want to go to this food for example if you were in a great relationship with someone and you used to cook a dinner or cook something that would make you guys happy and you were in a great time, you felt safe during that time, you may do this in a stressful situation to make sure you go back to that place of safety. So it just depends on the type of person you are or what type of techniques you may have had when you were younger or in a safe time. And regression isn't as bad as the other ones, however... A lot of people do not like it because they feel as though you're not really dealing with your problems. You're trying to run away from them. So that's why they use this as a defense mechanism and people aren't really a big fan of this. But let me know, you guys, how you guys feel about regression. And do you think this is a little bit of bad or do you think it's good because another regression technique is giggling you know how a lot of people will laugh when they feel nervous or when they're in a stressful situation they just may just start laughing out of nowhere so that's another sign of regression so what do you guys think about that defense mechanism we're going to go on to number six sublimation is when we displace our unacceptable emotions into behaviors which are constructive and socially effective. So this defense mechanism is something that a lot of people do use. So when you have anger or emotions or you're in a stressful situation, instead of putting it on other people, what you may do is start journaling. Writing down how you truly feel. Writing down the situation. Writing down how you could overcome that situation and become better. Another thing is art. A lot of people may draw or paint how they truly feel and just make paintings about the situation 
or make music and talk about their feelings or talk about a relationship that didn't go well or talk about a situation that didn't go well. They put that into music instead of to someone else. They might even go into sports and get that aggression out. They may play football, basketball, or any type of sport, soccer, that can help them get all of that anger out or all the emotions out instead of putting that on a whole other person or putting that on the person who did them wrong. So what do you guys think about sublimation? Do you guys think it's a positive defense mechanism? Do you guys think this is something that people should use instead of the other ones? Or do you think that people are still running away from the issue instead of dealing with it? Head on. Number seven would be rationalization. This is when involving a cognitive distortion of the facts to make an event or an impulse less threatening. Many people making excuses come easy. That's why they aren't aware of this. That's why it's subconscious. And people who can't accept hard situations will make up a reason why it didn't happen or why it did happen. So instead of dealing with the facts and instead of dealing with the actual situation, people may actually start to make up things that really didn't happen or distort the facts of a situation. For example, if someone got fired from a job, Instead of just saying they got fired from the job, they may say, oh, you know, they were just laying off people and, you know, I just so happened to get laid off or maybe I was just a temporary worker and I didn't really get fired. This didn't really happen to me. So instead of just saying outright they got fired, they'll make up facts or their distort story and make it seem a lot more appeasing than what really happened than what than just dealing with getting fired because you know that's a lot more harsh for them you know it may hurt the ego or really hurt their feelings because they didn't deserve to get fired or they don't think that firing was the best option for them so instead of being embarrassed they'll just say something that's a lot more nicer or appeasing and this can really be damaging because you're not dealing with reality and reality is still reality even though you may not catch up with it today tomorrow the next month the next week you're going to eventually catch up with the situation and the situation is always going to still be the situation so rationalizing is not a good defense mechanism at all and It's something that needs to be fixed. You can go to therapy so you can be able to speak on things, regardless of what happened. Be able to speak on it. Be able to talk about it. Be able to say, you know what, yes, this happened, and you know, this happens in life. Because I know a lot of situations are traumatic and hurtful. So I know why people would try to rationalize situations so you don't feel as though it was as bad as it seemed. But this can be really disheartening and hard if you don't tell the truth and be honest with the situation number eight is reaction formation so this is when a person goes beyond denial and behaviors in the opposite way to which he or she thinks or feels a person may have a very exaggerated behavior like person a person who disagrees with their belief 
and may have a person that challenges them on it may exhibit this behavior. So reaction formation is basically in the word. You basically form a reaction before an even event even occurs. So if you're somewhere or something happens, you're like, you know what, I'm going to be dealing with this type of person. So let me just pretend to be happy whenever this person's talking. So it can make it look like I believe them and that this everything is believable. However, not only are you robbing yourself of originality and robbing yourself of being authentic, but a lot of people can read through that and they'll know, oh, this person isn't really an authentic person. They have a very exaggerated behavior. So we can't really be around them because I don't know if they're being truthful or I don't know if they're just being fake. And that's something that you don't really want. And this can really come from trauma as well because a lot of people may just form reactions so they won't get in trouble because maybe when they're little they were honest and they got in trouble for that. So they're like, you know what, let me just do what people would want me to do. Let me just be happy when they when I think they would want me to be happy. Let me pretend to be sad and they will want me to be sad. So this can come from a very traumatic childhood or from a very traumatic experience when you did express how you truly feel. However, you were made fun of or you got a severe consequence for that. So, with this situation or this defense mechanism, it's best for you to go to therapy so you are able to be your authentic self and learn how it's okay to be yourself even if other people don't like it. It is their, you know, prerogative to not like it, but it's also your prerogative to be who you want to be. And it's okay to be who you want to be, as long as it's great behavior. And lastly is identification with the aggressor, number nine. This involves the victim adapting the behavior of a person who is more powerful and hostile towards them. By internalizing the behavior of the aggressor, the victim hopes to be avoid abuse and the aggressor may even start to have an emotional connection with the victim, which leads to feelings of empathy. An example of this is Stockholm Syndrome. So identification with the aggressor is when the victim caves into the abuse that is caused by the aggressor and they start to act like the aggressor so they're like you know what maybe if i act just like this aggressor maybe if i act just like this person or co-sign what they do maybe i will not be a target and sometimes the aggressor will have a bond with the victim now or the aggressor who was the victim but now is also the aggressor they're still the victim but now they're also the aggressor too because they're following after what their abuser did. So they have a bond, so they just internalize that abuse and start to become the person that they once hated. And this is Stockholm's, an example of Stockholm Syndrome. You may see a lot of people starting to do things not because they want to do it, but because they've internalized the hurt and the abuse that they've had so they just start to become the person who they hated and that's something that is very sad and unfortunate because a lot of people do this a lot without even knowing it or sometimes which is subconsciously but sometimes they do know it so they can resist abuse 
but then they start to be the person who they once hated and that's something that really needs to get checked into and very hurtful what do you guys think of this list of defense mechanisms which ones do you guys think aren't that bad and which ones do you guys think are the worst i love you all and please stay safe and healthy and know that you are loved by me you guys can support this podcast by sending anything or sending voice messages and you guys can also send me messages through my email abigaildagren at gmail.com I love you all. Please stay safe and healthy. Okay, bye. Here on my next podcast.